Well, good morning, FaithBridge. It's great to be back with you this morning, streaming into your home or your townhome, your apartment, wherever you're watching from. It is a joy to be with you today. I want to start just by sharing with you a story, something that happened several years ago. Uh, A close friend of mine planned to propose to his wife in New York at Christmas time, and he asked if he could pay for my trip to New York to videotape his proposal. Now, Uh, I don't know if that's the type of thing that you would need to pray about. I felt like God was saying, yes, T.A., you should take a free trip to New York. Uh, Now, there is only one condition to my friend paying for my trip, and it was that he wanted me to carry the engagement ring from Texas to New York so that he didn't have to worry about it. Now, this is not a story about me losing the ring. Praise God for that. But I put that ring in my backpack and I made the trip from Texas to New York City and his proposal spanned the city uh, of New York. And so that ring has been all over New York City. That ring has been on a New York subway. It's been on a New York bus. It's been in a pile of leaves that I laid down in in order to get the right shot without his fiance seeing me filming. That engagement ring has been on ice skates In Rockefeller Center, it has been all over the city. Now, I will never forget sitting on a New York subway with that ring in my backpack and my backpack sitting on the floor, the ground of that New York subway in between my legs. And as I sat there, it's like I woke up and I realized the value of what was in my possession. Like I thought about the fact that that ring that was in my possession was actually going to shape another person's future. And when I realized the value of what was in my possession, my relationship with that ring changed. And that ring moved from the ground to my lap, to my bear hug hands. As I put that backpack in my lap, and gripped it tightly. The reason I tell you that is that I wonder if our relationship with this book, The Word of God, needs to change. I wonder if we don't realize just how valuable this book is that is always in our possession. Just like I carried that ring all over New York City, you have to understand we carry this book wherever we go. I mean, we have it on apps, we have it on the internet, we have access to this book anytime in anywhere. But sometimes I don't know that we realize just how valuable this book truly is. This book won't just shape your future, it will shape your present. And so maybe this book needs to move from the shelf to our desk, to our hands, to our hearts. I wanna invite you this morning to begin treasuring the Word of God. We're in a series right now that is being called Never Been Closer. And I love the idea of this series because the whole thought is, what if you could honestly say right now, you know what, I've never been closer to Jesus Christ. How does that sound? Wouldn't you like that to just be able to say, you know what, I've never been closer to Jesus Christ. Well, you need to know you cannot be close to God without being close to His Word. And so let's elevate our view of this book this morning. Let's begin to treasure it together. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four is where we're going to start. And as you're turning there, let me just tell you, if you're looking for a good book, a book that's been really helpful for me, 
uh, is a book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. It's a great read if you need something to check out. Matthew chapter 4 is really important because Jesus is going to, in a sense, inform us of how we should view his word. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter four. It says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So just put yourself in Jesus's shoes. Jesus hasn't eaten in 40 days. So just picture what he is feeling physically. And then here's what happens. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Isn't this interesting? Jesus hasn't eaten in 40 days. And Satan comes to him and he tempts him to do what? To satisfy his physical hunger. And as physical hunger is the topic of conversation, Jesus redirects the conversation. And what does he say? He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Here's what Jesus is doing is he is showing us what type of value we should place on this book. He's saying, just like you need food to live physically, you need the word of God to live spiritually. That's why the Anglican bishop and New Testament scholar says this. He says, the Bible is the book of my life. It's the book I live with, the book I live by, the book I want to die by. So what type of value do you place on this book? Is it a necessity in your life? If we were to somehow rewind the tape of your past week, what type of value would your life show you have placed on this book? If you want to be close to God, you have to be close to his word. But it makes no sense to have it in our house, but not in our hearts. If we have it in our homes, but we don't have it in our hearts, what's the point of having it at all? Now, crucial to the conversation is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Paul says this, he says, all scripture is breathed out from God. It's breathed out by God and profitable. That's the key word there. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Did you see what Paul said? He said that all scripture is breathed out by God. Remember, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Paul tells us all scripture is breathed out by God and it is profitable. Here's what that means. It means that this book will make you richer. It might not put more money in your pocket. It might not make you materially richer, but it will make you spiritually richer. And that's what we want in a series that we're calling Never Been Closer. If we want to be closer to Jesus, if we want more of Jesus, we need more of his book. We need more of his word. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. How great is that? We want Bibles that are falling apart. And as they fall apart, our lives are held together by the truth of God's word. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to do three things during this season of life 
to treasure the word of God. The first thing that I want to encourage you to do is to prioritize hearing it. Prioritize hearing the word of God taught. Luke eleven twenty eight says this, Blessed rather are those who hear the word and keep it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. When I talk about hearing the word of God, I'm, I'm talking about prioritizing hearing it taught just like right now. So in this season where we are all forced online for spiritual direction, I am talking about making it a priority to show up and turn on the stream every single Sunday. There are no Sundays where you say, you know what? I just don't feel like it today. You know what? I've got too much to do. You know what? Our family's just going to take a break and we're going to go do something else. No, we prioritize it every single Sunday. Why? Because we need it. And when FaithBridge starts gathering together again in person, we don't take that for granted. We show up every single Sunday that we are in town. Prioritize hearing the word of God taught. And as you prioritize hearing the word of God taught, I just want to encourage you, before you hear the word of God taught, prepare your heart. Like before your family sits down or before you sit down to to tune into the stream, take some time and prepare your hearts. A lot of times, you know what we do? We wait until the stream is starting to get ready to watch. So we turn it on and that's when we start getting our coffee or that's when we get our mid-morning snack or that's when we start telling our kids to, you know what, hey, come to, no, prepare your heart. If you are about to hear from God, prepare your heart. So five minutes before, 10 minutes before, you're going to start the stream. You know what? Just take a moment and just say, God, I'm about to meet with you. I'm about to sit under the teaching of your word. I want to hear from you. Would you prepare my heart to hear from you? And when then church start, when church starts meeting back in person, so often we're flying in hot to church and we're five minutes late. And it's crazy because we're five minutes late every week and we we, we leave our house and we just can't figure out why are we always five minutes late? Here's a suggestion. Leave five minutes earlier. It might work out. Like just maybe try that. Leave five minutes earlier. But you know what? That's talking about another time. Right now, we're talking about what we're doing right now. Prioritize doing this every Sunday. Every single Sunday. And I want to encourage you to turn your phone off. Like tune out the distractions. I know for me, I've started putting my phone on airplane mode. And the reason that I do that is because here's the deal. If if God wants to speak to me, I don't want anything to keep me from hearing from him. If the God of the universe has something he wants to say to me, I don't want some notifications from a text message or from Instagram to pop up and distract me from hearing from God. So I would encourage you, Tune out the distractions, turn your phone off, and then I would encourage you to take notes. You know what? I was great at taking notes when I was in college. And then after I graduated from college, I just stopped taking notes until more recently. It really took preparing for this talk. And I remember I felt like God just hit me with something. I I felt like God was saying, okay, so let me get this straight, T.A., you don't feel like I'm going to say anything important enough to actually write down. And so I started taking notes at church. And you know what? My engagement increased significantly. 
and my experience sitting under the word of God being taught, it increased dramatically. It became so much more meaningful. So take notes. And then especially during this time, commit to processing it with others. So if you're sitting with your family, you know what? Don't just to, don't just close out the window that is streaming this afterward and move on with your day. Take a few minutes and process, discuss together. If you're watching this by yourself, well, you know what? Next week, hey, get a friend. Y'all tune in at the same time and then call each other afterward and process it together. Prioritize hearing the word of God taught. The second thing that I want to encourage you to do is to prioritize reading it. Prioritize reading the word of God. Remember what Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17. He said, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Now watch this, that the man of God may be what? What's that word? Complete. Equipped for every good work. What's the implication? The the implication is that if you're not reading this word, if you're not reading, you aren't growing. If you're not reading this word, then you will be incomplete. This word exists so that you may be complete. What I'm trying to tell you is that it is impossible for a mature follower of Christ to exist without reading the Word of God. Some of you might say, well, I don't read the Bible much, but I pray a lot. That is great. But just remember, the thing that led to the fall in Genesis chapter 3 was a lack of value for the Word of God by Adam and Eve. So put this book in your life. Prioritize reading it. Recorded readings of the Bible show that you can read through the entire Bible in 72 hours or less. Have you ever thought about that? 72 hours or less, this entire book can be read. Now, uh, if you're between the ages of 18 and 25, according to the Global Web Index, your generation spends an average of three hours a day on social media. That's That's pre-COVID numbers. And so since then, I would imagine that our interaction with social media has increased dramatically. But on average, three hours a day on social media. Okay, here's what that means. If you were just to devote the time that you are on social media every day to reading the Bible. So you don't have to skip to work. You don't have to take a day off. uh, You don't have to wake up any earlier or go to bed later. If you were to just take the time that you're on social media and devote it to reading the word of God, don't miss this. You would finish the entire Bible in three and a half weeks. Three and a half weeks. If you're like, well, I'm not on social media for three hours a day. Maybe you're on it for just an hour. You know what? you would finish the entire Bible in three months or less. If some of you watching are like, I don't know what he's talking about when he says social media. Okay, well, let's just just deal with hard copy of this book. 15 minutes a day, you will finish the Bible in a year or less. Five minutes a day, you'll finish it in three years or less. Unfortunately, most people go their whole lives without ever reading the entire Bible. And yet Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, 
every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So here's my encouragement. If you aren't on a Bible reading plan, you need to get on one. Like if your plan each day is to be like, yeah, where, God, where do you want me to read today? Oh, Leviticus, dang it, again? No, that is not a good plan. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. There are so many good plans. You can, you can message the church. The church can give you a plan. You can just look up Bible reading plans, and you will have a slew of options to choose from. But get on a plan that works for you. And put your time with God on the calendar. Like actually schedule it in. If you don't schedule it, it probably won't happen. And I encourage you to have accountability, like do it with other people. Read the same passages with other people. Y'all just commit to be on the same plan so y'all are moving at the same pace. And just commit to texting each other each day one thing that you learn from your time reading the Word. I love what the founding director of Breakaway, Greg Mott, used to do. He said that he wouldn't eat physically until he had eaten spiritually. Maybe you need to try it. But I would just encourage you, when you read this book, read it like your life depends on it. Don't read it like a newspaper. Read it like your life depends on it. Jerry Bridges puts it this way. He says, reading gives us breadth, but study gives us depth. I want to encourage you to prioritize hearing the Word of God taught, prioritize reading it, and number three, prioritize meditating on it. Prioritize meditating on it. Psalm 119 verse 97 says this, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. What does it mean to meditate on the Word of God? It, it, it's, it's simply to think deeply and carefully about something. It, it's to it's to allow the Word of God to drill all the way down from your head to your heart. And when I talk about your heart, I'm talking about the control center of your being. It's where, it's where your desires and your convictions and your motives reside. I'm talking about interacting with this book in such a way that you begin to change because of it. Howard Hendricks, professor from Dallas Theological Seminary, he said this. He said, the mark of spiritual maturity is not how much you understand, but how much you use. In the spiritual realm, the opposite of ignorance is not knowledge, but obedience. So we want to have the type of interaction with this word that actually begins to change who we are. Well, how do you do that? Well, I'd encourage you, start memorizing scripture. Pick one verse, memorize it this week. Okay? You know what? Uh, put, put something in your own words so that you'll remember it. Like I remember reading about the woman that broke open a costly bottle of perfume to anoint Jesus. And then in the next section, Judas went to portray Jesus. So as I read that, I just asked myself, okay, is Jesus going to be my treasure or my trade-in? Is he going to be my treasure like he was for this woman who, who spent who broke open a costly bottle of perfume to anoint him? Or is Jesus today going to be my trade-in like Judas? I'm going to trade Jesus for something else. Put it in your own words. And then never read this book without figuring out how you're going to apply it to your life. Let me just tell you the four questions that I like to ask myself when I'm reading this book. The first question is, why did God put this passage in the Bible? Okay, 
Why did God put this passage in the Bible? I do that just to to make sure that I understand the text. So I, in some ways, just answer the question, what is this passage saying? Because when when I answer that question, it will tell me why God put it in the Bible. The second question I like to ask is, how does the gospel inform this passage? I always want to try and understand how the death, burial, and resurrection relates to the passage that I'm reading. The third question I like to ask is, how is this passage personal to me? And then the fourth question is, how will my life be different because of what I have read? I want to encourage you, prioritize hearing the word, reading the word, and meditating on the word. I want to just close today just by um, by giving you an illustration. I want to I want you to view this scale like it's the scale of of intimacy. It's the scale of intimacy. And so let's just pretend that this this side of the scale represents distance from God and this side of the scale represents nearness. Remember, the goal of the series is to be able to say, you know what, I've never been closer. So this is the side of the scale that we want to live on. Now, here's what I need you to understand is that we have an enemy We have an enemy. So while our hope is to be able to say, you know what, I've never been closer to Jesus. We have an enemy who hopes that during this season, you're saying, I've never felt further from Jesus. And one of the ways that our enemy is very effective is that he lies to us consistently. And so what you need to evaluate is, is your life based more on the lies of your enemy or the truth of God's word? And so you need to know your enemy is constantly lying to you and trying to move you away from God. So let me just tell you how he lies to you. He lies to you every single day. And here's what he's telling you. He's saying, you know what? God is really not that what God is really not that great. And these are just weights because you know what his lies do is they weigh us down and they move us away from God. Not physically because God is always with us, but experientially. So he lies to us. He says, God is really not that great. You know what? God is really not that good. God is really not that in control. God really doesn't care that much. God really isn't that satisfying. God really isn't that worth it. He's lying to you about God, but he's not just lying to you about God. He's lying to you about you. So every day he's saying, you know what? You really are a failure. You know what? You aren't enough. You are what you do. God loves you, but he doesn't like you. The gospel is try harder. See, he's lying to you about God. He's lying to you about you, and he's lying to you about sin. He says, you know what? It's just not that big of a deal. You've already done it once. You might as well do it again. And you can always just ask for forgiveness later. Do you see that? Can you sense that, that we have an enemy that is consistently lying to us? And so, so many of us don't realize it, but the reason that we feel distant from God is that our lives are more rooted on the lies of our enemy than on the truth of God's word. And so here's what we want to do. Remember, we said that the word of God is profitable. 
Okay, so these are pennies right here. Here's what we like to do is we like to say, you know what, um, you know what, I, I watched Faith Bridge, at least I had it in the background. I was watching dishes and then I had to stop and I had to go change my kid's diaper. And so I, I was kind of in and out, but you know what, at least it was there in the background. And then there's some Sundays, you know, we just can't make it, but at least I'm watching about maybe, maybe twice a month. And you know what, um, I read my Bible. I think I read it once this week. I read it twice the last few weeks. I kind of opened it and I, uh, I read for a few minutes and then I kind of moved on. But I, I, at least I did it. At least I did it. Or you know what? You know what? I cut the sermon gram. Okay. I, I watched that three minute recap video and it was great. And so I got that. And you know what? I subscribed to that, that blog and, and that person sometimes talks about spiritual things. And I've kind of watched that a few times this week. And so... That's good. This is what we want to do. Is we want to say, you know what? At, at least I've had, at least I've done something spiritual. And so cumulative for the month, it's like, you know what? For the month, I've spent at least five hours with God. I mean, there was those two church services that I caught on Sundays. You, you add up all the different clips I've watched on Instagram, the time that I've read that blog or watched that person's post that story about spiritual content. And we wonder why we still feel distant. And I just wonder if our enemy is like, thank goodness they don't get it. Thank goodness that they don't realize that I never take a day off from lying to them. And yet what we want to do with the word of God is we just want a penny here, a penny there. We have to remember what 1 John 4, 4 tells us. It tells us that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so what I need you to understand is the word of God is profitable. You know what it, you know what this is, this is a quarter. It brings more weight to our lives when we begin to prioritize hearing it and reading it and meditating on it. It brings power and weight to our lives. The word of God tells you about God. Isaiah chapter six, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The earth is full of his glory. Psalm 24, one, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it telling us he is sovereign. Philippians chapter two, verses nine through 11. Jesus has the name that is above every name and that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is in fact Lord. Colossians 1.17 tells us that Jesus Christ is before all things and in him all things hold together. John 16.33, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Why? He has overcome the world. He tells us, the word of God tells us about God. The word of God tells us about ourselves. The word of God tells you about you. 1 John 3.1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called Children of God. Second Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness 
of God. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 38 and 39, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Galatians 2, 20, you have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old is gone, the new has Come, the word of God tells us about God. It tells us about ourselves. And number three, it tells us about sin. Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness, all unrighteousness and all ungodliness. Ephesians 5.3, there shouldn't even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity. 1 Peter 1.15, be holy as I am holy. Do you see it? Isn't this what you want your life to be like? Don't you want it to lean towards nearness? If so, your life needs far more exposure to the truth of God's word than the lies of your enemy. Will you choose to prioritize hearing the word? Hearing the word meditating on the word and reading the word. Will you prioritize these things in your life? Why? Because Jesus tells us, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you that you've come And you came, Jesus, to bring us back to God. God, I thank you that you loved us so much that you went to such great lengths to give us your word. And so I thank you that we don't have to wonder what you're thinking. We don't have to wonder about you. We don't have to wonder about who we are. We don't have to wonder about sin. You have spelled it out for us. We can know you. We can know who we are. We can know how to relate to sin because you have shown us through your word. Lord God, would you teach us to read your word? Would you teach us to meditate on your word? Would you help us to prioritize hearing the word of God taught? We want to be people who move closer to you, but we realize that we cannot be close to you without being close to your word. So we need you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.